0: As you can tell from the outline that we are going to start a a series here today, and I'm just calling it the one another's. When I was going through the Bible, uh, just kind of, you know, kind of perusing through, doing some devos, I kept noticing how many times the word one another would come up. You know, it brings it back to the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Second, it's just like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it, all throughout the Bible, it talks about blessing one another, serving one another, helping one another. Um, and so I, I took a few of those, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at them over the next few weeks, and what the Bible has to say about the one another's, starting today with edifying one another, and uh, find out how to apply that to our lives. So communication is huge. Can we agree on that? Let me try that one more time. It kind of makes my point. So. Communication is huge, isn't it? Yes. Okay, all right. You, you can feel free to jump in there, you know. Have you ever had anything miscommunicated to you? You heard them wrong. You know, that happens all the time. I, I read the, this, I remembered it, and so I grabbed it because it just made me laugh. But uh, it's a funny story about, the, um, it says about making the rounds in the art of communication. A colonel issued the following order to his second-in-command. Tomorrow evening at approximately 2000 hours, Halley's Comet will be visible in the area, an event which occurs in only 75 years. Have the men fall out in the battalion area in fatigues, and I will explain this rare phenomena to them. In case of rain, we will not be able to see anything, so assemble the men into the theater and I will show them films on it. Well, clear enough, but that guy took it to the next in command and said, by order of the CO tomorrow at 2000 hours. Halley's Comet will appear over the battalion area. If it rains, uh, fall the men out in fatigues, then march them to the theater where the rare phenomena will take place, something which occurs only once in 75 years. Well, the company commander took that order and instructed it to his lieutenant. And the lieutenant said to the people, by order of the CO, in fatigues at 20,00 hours tomorrow evening, the phenomenal Halley's Comet will appear in the theater. In case of rain in the battalion area, the CO will give another order, something which occurs only once every 75 years. Well, snapped the lieutenant to his next-in-command, and it came down tomorrow at 2,200 hours. The colonel will appear in the theater with Halley's Comet, something which happens every 75 years. If it rains, the colonel will order the Comet into the battalion area. Now, the JOC addressed his battalion and said, When it rains tomorrow at 2,200 hours... The phenomenal 75-year-old General Haley, accompanied by the colonel, will drive his comet through the battalion area in theater fatigues. (laughs) It's kind of like the telephone game. You say something and pass it on to the next person, to the next person, and things can just get a little bit messed up, can't they? You know, and then all of a sudden, what was originally said kind of gets twisted, kind of gets turned, until all of a sudden, it's like, what was really being said Words are very important. And so what I want to talk to you about today is about how we can use our words in edifying one another. I'll explain uh, what that is, how we can do that, what the Bible has to say. We're going to look at two uh, portions of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4 and James chapter 3. And these two portions of Scripture have a lot to say about uh, the power of our words. So let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 4. This is verse 25, says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, uh, each one of you, to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for this day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ's sake has also forgiven you. Here he speaks to us about the importance of making sure that we pay attention to the words that we speak words can bring life and words can bring death right i mean it just depends how we use them no matter how long it takes to build a building all it takes is one little implosion to bring it down right it can destroy immediately so i'm basing this whole one another on the word of god when it says that we're to love god and we're to love others to the degree that we love god is going to is going to somewhat define how we can love others. If we're limited in our ability to love others or be kind, we have to ask ourselves, are we limited somewhere in this relationship with God? See, when God sees that you can connect the two of them um, and, and you can love him and love others, then it affects how he blesses you and how he flows through your life. And this word that the Bible, that the Bible uses for Christians to take this responsibility and to build one another up and not destroy one another is the word edification. He says, be sure to see that you and I as Christians, that we edify one another. The Bible tells us that we are to do this, and it's repeated over and over and over again. You can look in Romans and Thessalonians, Corinthians, Ephesians, and it says that you are to build one another up. You're to build them up. That's edification. So the word edify is something constructive something that is built up, you have to work at that. And that is exactly what the word of the Lord is telling us that we need to do. When people come into your sphere, when they, they cross your path, they're in your environment, um, we are to be uh, found as people that are encouraging, that are uplifting, that are edifying them, not people that are tearing them down. Now, tearing people down and thinking of the negative things, that's easy, isn't it? I mean... Uh, the negative thoughts and all that, that that comes natural but but looking for something good in somebody takes a little work and that's what we're told to do is the Bible is clear that the this is the environment of God's family we are to be construction workers that are building something not destructive workers that are destroying something and when people are introduced to the family of God are they introduced to a a family that's enhancing their life that's that's helping them developing their life, or are they finding the opposite? So, the question remains: Well, how how is this done? How do we how do we edify somebody? If you're telling me that's what the Word of God's saying we're to do, well, there's one key word that tells us how to edify and build up one another, and He says it's how you use your words. It, it's it's using your very own mouth. Uh, think back this last week, you know. Can, can you think of, did you use your words to build somebody up or tear somebody down more, more so than the other, you know? And it's our mouths, it's our words that we use that determine if we're going to edify or build somebody up. He said right in Ephesians, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such as good for edification and building up. Now, I'm normal like anybody else. Sometimes we say things that we wish we wouldn't have said. You ever been there? You know, I wish I could take that back. We've spoken a word that wasn't a blessing. It was just the opposite. We, you know, we wish we could take it back. So that when the Bible says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, if that has happened, which it has happened for every one of us, it doesn't mean that God is mad at you. He's saying, just let, correct that. Correct that back. Correct your heart back. Recalibrate it to my heart. And let it be now words that help build each other up. You know the saying, you can help me finish it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a lie, right? I don't know about you, but I'd rather have the sticks and the stones because though it may hurt, it'll heal in a week's time, hopefully. But the words, when somebody speaks a word to you and they hurt you, they damage you, they slander you, whatever it is, and you feel broken, that can stick with you forever. See, words are very powerful. There's a whole lot of people... I believe, around us today that have been destroyed by something that maybe was said by a parent. You know, maybe they said something like, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. Or or maybe an employer who said, you're no good at your job or no good at what you do. or, Or maybe it was a racial slur that made you self-conscious. See, those words were powerful. And they can stick there. The reality is that words do matter. Can we agree on that? Words do matter. Because What words you hear affects how you think. It affects how you feel. It affects how you act. Think of it. You're sitting in front of a judge, and he's getting ready to make a call. If a judge says the word guilty, you feel one way, right? He says innocent, you feel another. There's power in the word that the judge speaks. They affect you. You could be at a doctor, and whether the doctor says benign or, or malignant, uh, it, it, it affects you, how you think, how you feel. Words matter, and they can control your well-being or, or your lack thereof. What you say and how you say it is so important, and we've got to watch out because we're to build up, not tear down. So the context here in the scripture and in the next few weeks is going to be looking at the one another's. And it says in verse 25, uh, laying aside all falsehoods, speak truth. It says, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The Bible also says to be kind to one another. He, he is saying, be content with being who you are, and then working on loving others, building them up. We'll talk about love another week. But he says, but edify them, build them up. It's so important is this issue that scripture says, our speech reveals our character. Um, your mouth is only revealing what's inside of your heart. If you want to know how you feel about a situation, listen to how you speak about it. If all you do is worry and get anxious about something, that's residing in your heart. If you're hopeful and you're saying, now we, we got this, we can do this, then hope is residing in your heart. Now, I'm not saying that, that we're never going to experience those times of anxiety, but catch them and you bring them back into the presence of the Lord because words are very powerful. And they reveal what's in your heart. See, this is a this is sensitive because it involves our speech. Um, and it involves something that we do every day. Anybody here ever go a day without talking? Yeah, we all talk. We all speak. So it involves that. When you look at the many families and how they interact and husbands and wives, sometimes within the family setting is where we can hear some of the most wounding words with how we talk to each other. And if we're not careful, we can say things that, that, that can be hurtful and mean. Uh, older couple, husband and wife, driving down the road. They pass by a couple of mules that are on the side of the road. And the husband said, there goes your relatives. And she said, I know, by marriage. <laughs> you know, they can go back and forth and speak words. Words can be very powerful. When you speak, Speak, it can be explosive. But is it explosive for the good? Or is it explosive for the bad? In James the book of James, really the whole book of James, I, I, I love that book. First of all, it's a good name, right? I mean, come on, James. Uh, but that book is full of wisdom. It talks about the power of our words. It um, has so much to say about leadership, but specifically it talks about how powerful our tongue is, how powerful the word is, talking about how dangerous it can be, how little a member, it can bring massive destruction. And so we've got to pay attention to this. Do we use our, our mouth, our tongue, our words, our speech? Do we use that more to build up or do we use that more to, te- to tear down? So the, the question remains, how do we edify according to the Word of God? And so I want to give you four observations, four things that I think we, we could take a look at, br- taking them right out of the Word of God. And the first one is this, you and I are to speak truth in love. We are to speak truth in love. Now, this is, this is key. Uh, we've read it in the Bible. You've probably heard it preached before. You may have even heard me say it before. But speaking the truth in love can be challenging. It can be challenging. And the reason is, is because we either want to speak truth or love. And he says, no, speak truth in love. The Bible says that when we communicate with each other as Christians, we are to speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4 uh, verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. He says, Do but it's gotta be both. It's like a goal post, okay? Now we've got the playoffs coming up in NFL. We're familiar with football, and you got the goal post. You got it's right here. And, and the kicker, his job is to kick the football in between the goal post, right? If he does that. He scores, he gets points, he does well. Now, it, I, I, heard, I got text from plenty of you in church last week when our Dallas Cowboy kicker couldn't seem to get that ball through the goalpost. It appears that four times he had the opportunity and he missed all four times. Guess what? That kicker's not on the team anymore. They got a new one. Why? Because he couldn't hit the mark. And this isn't about the Dallas Cowboys, this isn't about the kicker. This is about you and I learning to speak truth in love, and our goalpost is truth and on the other side is love. And the aim or the goal is to be able to when we speak to kick it right down the center so we can score every time. So let me ask you, how are you doing at that? Are you saying I'm getting extra points all the time, everything's good? Or have you been benched because you can't seem to hit the mark? He says speak the truth in love because that's that's where it starts it starts to build up some some people major in truth in truth only they got a masters degree in that right they're like I, I know i know i've got the answer i got the truth and but the problem is is they come at you like they're they're hunting bear right you know you know bam bam and they're just shooting you with the truth now it's not that it's not true there's just the absence of love <laughs> there, there's nothing there's nothing there, and uh, you know, they people can't handle just the truth and truth alone. They need that 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 love that's there. Truth without love becomes just a dead orthodoxy. It's just it's just is what it is. It may be true, but there's no life in it. You're speaking death while you're telling the truth. Conversely, if you were to flip that, um, love without truth is empty. It's fluffy. It's cotton candy. It's a cuddly little teddy bear, right? But but you see, if you have love, but you have no truth, it can make you feel good, but you're no better off for it because nobody's told me what it is that I need to know. I need to know what the truth is is, as well. So if you can connect truth with love, then you get the right information with the right heart. Those are to be the two goalposts that we're to aim at. Truth with love. It's critical that God is able to use our tongues to build us up uh, so that we can use our tongues to build others up and not destroy them. Proverbs 18, verse 21 has something to say about that. Let's read that one on the bottom together. You ready? Go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The words we speak are important, but not only the words we speak, but the tone with which we speak it. You know, we, we've uh, heard words like you're no good, you're nothing, You'll, you're never going to amount to anything. Man, man life, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And even when you do speak an encouraging word, I've used the illustration before with my wife, I can say, I love you, honey. Or I can say, love you. Which one do you think she's going to like more? You see, the tone with which you say it. And there's going to be times when you will have to talk to people and speak truth, but you must speak the truth in love. Because here's the goal, number two. The goal of edification is to build up. Not down, not lateral. It's to build up, to encourage others. Everybody loves an encouraging word. There's a pastor who was getting ready to retire. He pastored 25 years, and so he's getting ready to just, he's done. He goes home, they're going to move, and they're packing up their stuff. And he looks under the bed, and he found a basket that had five eggs in the basket. And there was also an envelope that had $1,000. And he said, what is this all about? So he pulled it out and asked his wife. He said, why, do we, why is there a basket with five eggs and an envelope with $1,000? And she said, oh, she said, well, every week when you preached, whenever you preached a bad sermon, I'd put an egg in the basket. And he thought, huh, five eggs, 25 years. That's not a bad st- statistic, right? And he said, well, what, what about the $1,000? She said, oh, well, when I got 12 of them, I'd sell a dozen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not the most encouraging word, huh? The tongue can sometimes be like a wrecking ball if we're not careful how we use that. So the question is, is how are you using your words to tear up, to build down? You know, because we can say mean things, hurtful things. There's a story told, I saw as I was, I was just perusing on the web, uh, Winston Churchill and um, Lady, Lady Astor Uh, They were English Parliament, okay? So this is going back a little bit. And so they were in English Parliament together, and they hated each other. They could not stand one another. They did not get along. And one day they came into the same room, and Lady Esther looked at Winston Churchill and said, if you're my husband, I put poison in your tea. Winston Churchill said, if I were married to you, I'd drink it. (laughs) And we can laugh at something like that, but I asked myself, Is it really that funny? Because sometimes we talk to each other like that all the time, and it's hurtful. Um, Are you looking for opportunities to build up or to tear down? He said, let no unwholesome word proceed from out of your mouth, but only such a word that's good for edification, for building up. He says, you are to encourage one another so that when they are in your presence, I'm, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but there's only one who is. And when we connect with him, he enables us through the power of his Holy Spirit to be the conduit to build others up. And and by the way, he didn't say build people up when you feel like it, because if we waited till we felt like it, we would probably never do it. He says build one another up. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a challenge this week. Three times, intentionally, on purpose, look to encourage or edify, build somebody up. Somebody. And don't do it. To three people in church here real quick and then go home all right but think about it through this week how can I on purpose without looking like a weirdo edify build somebody up speak a kind word speak an encouraging word lift them up while they're feeling down and when you start doing that intentionally and you start doing that on purpose you're not this isn't just about um, an exercise in vocabulary it's about an exercise in our spiritual walk with Christ we're cooperating with what the word of God says so that's my challenge to you find three different times three different people this week to speak an encouraging word to them because we are to speak the truth in love but the goal as I said is to build people up and when you get involved in doing that here's what you'll find out you'll find that because human nature well I don't want to go build them up I got enough of my own problems I got enough of my own issues somebody should come and build me up yes they should and they probably won't though until you start doing it yourself. You start giving it away and it starts coming to you. Give and it will come back to you. It there's just a biblical principle of how when you walk in obedience and give what God is telling you to give, then God takes care of you because God is our he's our provider. And so the goal is to build up, but we have to remind ourselves of this too. And this is point number 3. Our speech is a ministry. I want, you to, I want you to think about that for a minute. Our speech isn't just words. Our speech isn't just the ability to talk, uh, though that is part of it. Um, our speech is a ministry. Uh, how you steward the words that you say is very key. And so when we're talking about the one another's and edifying people and building them up, we, gotta, we, we have to keep in mind that our speech is a ministry uh, because grace is being ministered Grace is favor it's a, it's a it's a divine favor it's an unmerited favor in other words the other person may not deserve the encouraging word that you feel you're supposed to give them but you give it anyway that's ministry. It, you know you find somebody that you can build up. if you and I use our minister our speech to minister grace then we will be able to communicate without compromising in life. We'll experience more of the fullness and the presence of his Holy Spirit. We'll experience more grace in our life if we're willing to give that away. But the Bible said, according to the need of the moment. Did you catch that? It said, let no unwholesome word come out, go and edify others according to the need of the moment, he says. Meaning this, every moment is going to be different. So I can't cookie cutter This one encouraging word and give it to you and you and you and you and you and you. And And it's going to do the same thing for everybody. It may be a kind word, but what he's saying is, is be aware of every moment that's going on. An encouraging word that I might give to one person over here who's lost their job. Uh, Somebody else might be going through a loss of a family member. And you have to know the need of that moment. He says, according to the need of the moment. Because every moment is different. Every conversation is different. Every context, it's different. Well, what am I supposed to do then? Oh, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's why the vertical relationship is so important. Because people don't want to hear what you have to say necessarily as much as they want to hear what God has to say through you to them. That's what edifies them. That's what builds them up. So God has, has to give you and I the wisdom to know what to say in the moment to this person at this moment for this situation they're going through. You don't just say a bunch of words because they popped in your head. You don't just say it because you feel it. You don't even just say it because it's true. You say it because now you can use it as a ministry. And you're saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say to this person? And if you'll ask him those questions, he'll give you those answers, but it boils right down to what are you going to do with them? Because edification, edifying somebody, isn't edification until you go and do it until you speak to them, pray for them. Maybe the Holy Spirit's told you, go pray for so-and-so. Give this person a call. Why don't you check on them? Why don't you go encourage them and tell them, you know, they're doing a great job, whatever it might be. Um, When you do it, that's when you start building somebody up. And now it becomes a ministry. He says, we are to minister favor. And that is, that just simply means how you say what you say you know, in the moment. There's knowing what to say, knowing how to say it, but also knowing when to say it is very important. Timing is important. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Basically, he's saying there, when you speak to somebody, put some flavor on it. Let the best be drawn out. If I were to look, have a conversation with you and you asked me what I thought. Uh, I, 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 could, I, I could look for all the negative stuff in your life, but he says, you hunt for the positive. Finding the negative is easy, isn't it? Can we agree on that? Finding the positive takes a little more work. It's not impossible, though. It just takes more work. He says, look for the positive. Add a little bit of salt on that. Season that up and let the best be brought out. Uh, you know, we were at dinner last night and I ate some green beans. My first bite I ate, I'm like, ooh, man, these are pretty bland. You know what I did? Put some salt on it. Salt makes everything better, right? He says that when you are going through and you walk with Christ and you're coming along people, sure, some people may be bland, right? Put a little salt on it. And the way that you do that and edify one another is, is when you realize your speech is a ministry, how you speak to one another, the words that you use. He says, I want you to minister according to the need of the moment and to give grace to the person who hears it. Why? Well, remember, this whole thing is about our relationship with God and our relationship with others. How we relate to others is tethered to how we relate to God. And there's been many times when I've become stuck, if I can say that. Um, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to, you know, I don't feel, I don't, whatever language. And then I'd think, what's wrong with me? What's going on? Why am I in this place? And I'd always have to go back to this. Say, God, what do you have to say? And that's when I found the answer. That enabled me to go further wherever God was calling. God's relationship to you vertically is tethered to how you relate to others horizontally. Edification has to do with your speech. It's a ministry, how you talk to one another. So it's a family matter, or not just a family matter, but a spiritual issue as well. You know, in the book of James chapter 3, and I'm not going to read, I'm going to chop through the verses here, but James chapter 3 says this in verse 5. Says, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, and it is set on fire by hell. Verse eight goes on to say that no one can tame the tongue. Verse nine says, We bless the lord our father with our tongue but then we turn right around and we curse men with the same tongue verse 10 says that with the same mouth come both blessings and cursings and he says my brethren these things ought not to be this way when it comes to the ministry of speech he said you shouldn't you shouldn't be uh, uh double-minded in a way or, you know, talking out one side and then the other. You shouldn't be blessing God on Sunday, but then the cursings come Monday through Saturday. So he asks this question at the end of James in verses 11 and 12. He says, Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? Or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. In other words, what he's saying is, If God is controlling our mouth, we should not be getting or giving double messages. We shouldn't be praising God one day, but then cursing him the next. We should steward our words well, because that's how we edify others. That's how we build people up. He says, you, you and me, we belong to one another. This is a family issue, he's telling us. Speech is a spiritual issue. It's not just a conversation, but a spiritual issue As well, and he says that there's only one lawgiver, and guess what? You and I, we're not it. He's the only one that is the lawgiver around here. And when you seek to use your tongue, your words, to destroy another, uh, in in no more way is it done than when we gossip. Isn't gossip just horrible? I mean, it's prevalent everywhere you go. Uh, gossip is this. I put it in your outlines. Gossip is passing on information that is designed to be harmful. That's what gossip is. It's when you start talking about other people behind their back, and, and just like I read earlier with uh, the general in Haley's comment, things get twisted, they get turned, things get added, things get taken away. But then we start talking about other people with the intention of being harmful. That's what gossip is. In other words, you're not passing on information to help somebody even though you may say you are, you know, you could do the proverbial, did you hear about, you know, Ben and Susie? I, I don't know if I should tell you this, but we need to pray for them. You know, now it sounds spiritual, but all, all you did was spiritually gossip, right? And, and he says, that these things ought not to be. He says, watch your words and steward them well, because if your motivation is wrong, then you're far from the right heart. But let the Holy Spirit be the one who illuminates what it is you need to focus on so you and I can use our words to bring healing and wholeness instead of pain or brokenness. See, you may be here today, and you're going through a rough time. And I'm not asking you to raise your hand or tell me, but you could be here today, or you could be at home listening there on TV, and you're going through a, just a, a difficult season right now, and you need God's help. You need to see Him move. And the good thing about all of this is God is closer than you think. There's been a number of people that I've talked to this last week that have gone through some major things. And the one thing I know is this. God is near those who are brokenhearted. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't sound like it. You know, you could go through the whole list. But God is near the brokenhearted. Pastor, I'm not brokenhearted. I'm just going through a hard situation. I'm going through a difficult time. I'm going through a real spiritual battle, whatever it may be. What you need to know is God is closer than you think. So watch your mouth. That's number four watch your mouth. Have you ever had parents say that to you? You know, watch your mouth, kid. <laughs> you know, you better watch your mouth. You know, they, they, were, they, they were giving you a kind of a, a threat. Watch your mouth. What did that mean? Because if you keep going down this path that you're going down and running your mouth, there's going to be consequences. And God's word says, be careful. Watch out. Watch your mouth. Not because he's trying to be like a parent where you go, you better. He's not being mean about it. He's saying, watch your mouth. Watch the words that you use. Watch what you're speaking, what you're saying, because you don't understand how powerful those words are. When you're going through a rough time, you're more tempted to complain because things aren't going your way. Things aren't going well. So we all know the saying, how it goes. Misery loves what? Company. So then we start talking to others. And so since you're in misery, you either Incorporate others, or you lash out and complain and take it out on other people. And he says, Watch out. James is saying, Watch your mouth because your mouth may be the very thing that's blocking your blessing. It could be the thing. It happened with the children of Israel. They went round and round and round and round and never made it into the promised land. Why? Because they kept grumbling and complaining. And they're saying, We're so hungry. I wish we could go back. Where's the, where's the nearest Chick fil A? You know, it, they, they didn't have what they wanted. And because of that, their blessing was blocked. So be very careful to watch your mouth. And and let me say something about this. Not just watch your mouth about the words that you speak to people, because words are powerful. We've said that, right? And they can hurt people, but watch the words that you speak to yourself. Very important. Well, I don't speak words to myself. Yeah, Yeah, we all do that. We all do that. It's when we think and have this process. I'll, I'll give you an example. Back to high school, I was going through a year where I wasn't doing very well. I wasn't getting good grades. It was a real struggle. And, I, and, and nobody came out and said it. Nobody said, Jim, you're stupid. Nobody said, you know, you're an idiot. Nobody said those words, but, but everybody was trying to work through all of this, and what, what's it going to be like? You know how it is when you're with your peers, and they're getting good grades, and you're not. And somewhere along the way, I made this decision that I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. And I spoke those words, not necessarily verbally, out loud, but I agreed with them. I made a wrong agreement inside of my heart and said, I'm not smart enough. And because I said that, from that point on, everything I viewed in life, I viewed through the lenses of I'm not smart enough. And it held me back. It limited me. It kept me from reaching some potential that God may have had for me that I couldn't reach Through the lenses of i'm not smart enough and i remember i don't know fast forward the tape to a certain age i don't remember how old i was i was probably in my late 20s early 30s something like that and i've been living life like this and i talked to somebody who challenged me and they said jim who told you you're not smart enough i said oh everybody everybody says that who everyone you know just just everyone she kept pushing me no tell me who who told you those words and i said well And obviously, it came down to the conclusion it was me. I told myself that. Words are so powerful. And sometimes you stay stuck where you're at, not because your environment, not because the whole world's against you, not because your family's brothers, uncles, neighbors, you know, none of that. It's because of you. It's because of the agreement that you made. And if you're here today, here's the good news. If you're here today and you're saying, oh my gosh, I think I might be one of those people who have, have agreed wrongly with something, you can break that. Actually, you can't, but God can. But you have to do it. What I did was I just said, Lord, I, it was like an aha moment. You ever have those where the Holy Spirit finally goes, ta-da, and the light bulb goes on? Do you see it now? And you're like, yeah. But I didn't know what to do with it. Fortunately, I had good people around me to help me. I said, you made a wrong agreement. Can we just break that? It was very simple. Through prayer, I just went through and said, Jesus, I see this wrong agreement I made. Lord, I break that in the name of Jesus. Remember a couple years we did a series on binding and loosing? I prayed that prayer. Lord, I bind my my mind, my heart, my soul to your very spirit. I break, loose, crush, smash, destroy every wrong agreement that I made in the past. Jesus, that place that I gave rent free for so long, that said I'm not smart enough. Lord, would you evict that spirit in the name of Jesus and will you fill it with your presence? And from that point on, Did I become an Einstein? No, it wasn't about my IQ. It was about my spiritual walk with Christ. It was about being able to understand that that my word was so powerful that it limited me. Do you see how powerful words can be? You can limit yourself just as easily as you can limit somebody else when you speak those words. So we must be careful with the words that we speak. See, when you understand how powerful this is, God's not here to judge you necessarily. He wants to bless you. That's His plan. And when you can cooperate with what it is His Holy Spirit is saying, then all of a sudden everything changes. You start seeing life through the eyes of Christ instead of life through the eyes of put your name in there. Because I know that at times we think we know. But can I just tell you, we don't really know all that we need to know. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Agreed? We need the Holy Spirit. We need him to show us, to lead us, to teach us, to guide us, because it's only going to be then that you'll realize that your words are so powerful. Your speech can save your life. It's all about what you say, how you say it, and when you say it. The Holy Spirit will take those words. He can take, in turn, a blessing that once felt like a curse. He can take a judgment that you made on yourself or others or others are making on you. And when you realize that 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 wrong agreement is there, you can break that in the name of Jesus and he will turn that around to a blessing, but you have to be willing to do it. And you have to be willing to be honest with yourself. You know, I'll, I'll tell you at the beginning when I bought that lie, you're not smart enough. I wanted to... I got to think of the right word here. I didn't want to lie, but I didn't want to admit the whole truth. You know what I mean? That I, I, I agreed to this. It wasn't until I just got in the presence of God and was transparent. Yes, I did that. Yes, I was wrong. Please forgive me. I repent. When that happens, he transforms your life because of the, not because of the power necessarily of your, your word, but because of the power of His. And when you receive what God has for you, then you can reach others. You can, uh, it changes your whole life. God must have access though, not just to your heart, but with your mouth, the words that you speak. And the way you give him access is like, I like the way David said it. He said, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Uh, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Not every thought I think, not every word I say, makes God happy. But don't look at me like that because you're the same way, right? But when you have those thoughts or you say those things, whatever, you have the opportunity to turn that around and say, Jesus, what do you have to say about it? Say, Lord, my words, my heart. I want them to be acceptable to you. In other words, Lord, are you pleased with what I'm about to say and how I'm going to say it? Are you pleased with that? I ask him that all the time. And a lot of times, I'm going to tell you folks, he tells me, no, don't say it. No, not now. You see, when, when you start asking those kinds of questions and bringing it to his presence, it, it, a conversation starts to take place. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to put a noose around your tongue and to let you know, nope, don't say that. Nope, not now. Nope, that ain't the right word. Nope, hold on, take it easy, relax. The Holy Spirit will do that when you ask him his job is to control the tongue because when you edify you get God's attention you get God's attention mouth-to-mouth maturity now i saying kind of weird it's a lot like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation it's all designed to give life resuscitation is uh, the, the the breath of life breathing breath into somebody so that they can live maturity is when you know you're growing because your tongue is now controlled you're not using it to bless instead of curse. You're using it to build up instead of tear down. Maybe you grew up and said, well, oh, Pastor, you know, what you see is what you get. This is just who I am. The real question I, I would pose to you is this Who are you? Who do you really, you know, accept yourself to be? Uh, who, who God wants you to be or who you think God wants you to be? Because those are two different things. Because I'll guarantee you that God wants to show you something fresh and new and he wants to open up not just our eyes, but he wants to open up our mouths to be edifiers, to build up others. Here's a challenge I'm gonna, I already gave you one. You remember the first challenge? How many people? I'm just making sure you're there. You at home, three people. Find three people that you can intentionally, on purpose, speak an encouraging word, no strings attached, genuine from the heart. Don't care what they do with it, done it, moving on. Because the Lord spoke to you and told you to do it. But here's, here's my last challenge. I, I used to say, uh, remember, I, it's been a couple, few years now, I'd hand out sometimes uh, three by five cards in the, in the bulletin. And the challenge was to take a Bible verse, write on it, and memorize it. And my little tagline was, you can learn either by a three by five or a two by four, the choice is yours. You can hide his word in your heart that you might not sin against thee. Or you can say, I don't need any of that. And the world is going to grab a two-by-four and knock you upside the head. Which way do you want to learn? You know, for so long, I used to learn by the two-by-four. I decided three-by-five would be much easier. So I encourage you, go find a three-by-five card and start with Ephesians 4.29. You could do a different verse if you want to. Uh, No Jesus wept, though, okay? All right. But here's Ephesians 4.29. We read it earlier. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word, is as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Write it down, memorize it. I stick a three by five when I do this, and then I just carry it in my pocket. And every, well, not necessarily driving down the road, but walking around, you know, I'll pull it out and I'll quiz myself. I'll learn it. What am I doing? Am I being a nerd? Maybe a little bit. I don't know but I'm going to be the best nerd I can be. One who hides God's word in his heart so that he might not sin against God. So that way when God speaks, I have something inside there that that he can quicken in my heart. So I encourage you, take that, learn that, and be a people who build up and edify one another. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are faithful in all things. And today we want to be, Lord, we're asking, that, you will help us be more like you, to be a a person that builds up and doesn't tear down. Lord, for those of us that are here today that feel like we've been torn down, may we not wait till we feel like we're built up before we build up others, but may we just start doing it. For those of us that, that maybe have felt that nudge in our heart where we made some wrong agreements and we bought a lie, either spoken by somebody else or even by ourselves. Lord, show that to us and show us how we can break that in the name of Jesus. Lord, for any wrong agreements that we've made, we declare that they are broken in Jesus' name. And we ask you to come and heal our heart. But Lord, we don't want to do that aimlessly. We want you to show us exactly what it is so that we don't come back to that place. And Lord, that place, that it now is yours. So Father, we thank you for this, and we ask it all in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. If you'll stand with me, we will close in prayer. It's a little bit different. If you weren't here last week, this that was the first week we did this uh, together. So if you have the one from last year memorized, you might want to pay attention to the words. We changed it just a little bit. Let's do this. Father, may I be committed to your word in a way that transforms my life from the inside out, making me more like you. Jesus, may our lives be in connection with your purpose and plan as we walk in the favor of the Lord. And Spirit, give us a bold compassion for the lost, pointing them through prayer and action to Christ in all we do and say, amen.